Welcome to the Tactical Security Podcast. Welcome to Tactical Security, where we argue cybersecurity practices from a technical and a managerial standpoint. Here's what you need to know about today's security tactics. This is episode five, and during this episode, we will be discussing privacy. <laughs> and I am Wolf, uh, a little bit private, a little bit private, uh, but I will tell you this, I'm an advisory CISO. I'm Dave. Not so private, not so private. I work in cybersecurity professionally, but you may know of my work with Hack for Kids. So Dave, you know, before we got on this podcast, we're talking, there's this, this quintessential comic that goes around whenever anyone talks about privacy and security. And in, in the comic, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's, it's a, a couple and they're in their house and they're looking out and their house is marked private and... Uh, all around them is these security folks, these folks who are stripping away the wood from the house and building a lovely security fence. And uh, and I think of that image a lot because I, I get concerned that we've set up this dichotomy between uh, having privacy uh, personally, and, and I'm sure as we, we go into future episodes, we'll talk about this professionally, having you know privacy personally and not being secure, right? If, if we just like opened up all our information, they would be able to uh, protect us better, whoever whoever they are. And that's really what I wanted to, to take a pot shot at. And, uh, oh, edit that. That's what I really wanted to get your feedback on, Dave, is, is what do you think about this? Uh, this? Do, you, do you have to have one or the other? Well, before I answer that, just for some of the folks that are curious to look that uh, cartoon graphic up, it's... Um, the uh, cartoonist's last name is Bennett. That's two N's and two T's. And it was published by the Christian Science Monitor. So yeah, when I look at that graphic, one of the things that stand out to me the most is the look on the face of the man and the woman in the privacy, air quotes, privacy home. So my take on that is this, you know, it's to me, privacy is more of a choose your own adventure. And that, I know that might <laughs> get some people a little enraged and their hands are curling up into a, a tight fist and depending upon where you are in the world. But I look at it this way. I take privacy very importantly, but I feel that there's certain things that you, no matter how hard you try, won't be private. There's certain things where you have to try really hard to keep private, specifically things that might be related to your uh, financial um, information, right? You know, wherever it may be, bank account, trading company, how much cryptocurrency you have, wherever. Um, so you got to do something to protect it from there. But as far as the, the graphic goes, I mean, yeah, it's great. You got these engineers ripping the boards off of one structure to build a new one. And, and, and too, too many times we tend to do that in our, in our field, especially in InfoSec. So where to go from here? I, I think we need to really kind of look at this, Wolf, from your perspective, as you were saying, you know, very private in the beginning, and I say I'm not so private, and and with a caveat, right, not completely an open book, but somewhat, and, and maybe even decide like, okay, th this is not really a one size fits all type home, to use the graphic. It's really about what's important to you personally, what's important to you organizationally, right, from your employer standpoint, whether it's government or, or private company or publicly traded company. And then also the comparison of both of them, right? What do you think? Yeah, the, the comparison is is where I get concerned. So, 
you know, I would, I would obviously love to be completely off the grid, uh, just in my cabin, <laughs> far away from everybody. Uh, a nice little fire made of some wood I chopped myself uh, in my nice little privacy house. However, the reality is, is just about everything we do today leaves leaves a trail, whether it's browsing a, a website or um, you know going going to the store or ordering some food. I had a, a great conversation just the other day with uh, a gentleman who is in physical security and he deploys cameras. So he was telling me about uh, the facial recognition that would go on in a, in a stadium or, you know, in a, in a crowded area, in a secure area where it could, you know, flash up, Hey, this person looks like that person. Hey, this person, you know, is, is on a wanted list. You should go look at them and, and different ways that even if you're wearing a mask, um, the the system can still identify and recognize you. And <laughs> that made me very concerned. He's like, no, no, this is good because it's security. I'm like, uh, I don't I don't know how good that is. Yeah, I, again, I think it's the same thing, right? There's two different opinions there, just like you and I have two different opinions. Um, you know, if you're going to put a mask on and still be detected, your privacy of where you're going about uh, is no longer yours. How will that information be used? Who's using it? How are they sharing it? Are they making it public or are they controlling it somehow? Right. Um, and I think maybe, I think where I'm hearing you go is do we, do you want to maybe move the conversation at least for this episode of the podcast to discuss personal privacy? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's start there. So, you know, the, the old advice was, Oh, if you're, if you're traveling, um, don't tell anyone you're where you're going. <laughs> don't post any photos. Um, don't uh, don't you know enable geotagging on on any photos or uh, on any social media posts. And I, I think that's good advice. I, I know it's very hard for me to follow when I'm <laughs> traveling with with family members, but it also does make me wonder: Did anyone ever were, were those attacks real? Like, were people? breaking into houses if they knew you were gone or do you think that was a little bit overblown i don't think it was overblown like you know the planet getting hit by an asteroid because we know the planet someday is going to get hit with an asteroid right it's been hit before with asteroids there's evidence of that but the examples of people having um taken photos of i don't know i'm going to make up a story they're in barbados and somebody sees it on their social media page and they've shared everything world viewable. And then they go, and then the, the criminals go and say, Oh, look, you know, there's the, there's the geotagging, you know, we have their GPS coordinates because they took other pictures during the holidays and we know exactly where they live. And we know they're not going to be home because they just left and said, they're going to be gone for a week. Let's make the most of this. This is an opportunity for the criminals. It has happened. It's been, uh, documented in different blog entries. And I'm sure if you do enough digging within police blotters, you'll, you'll find records of, of homes being broken in and you can connect the dots. You and I don't have time for that, but I'm sure somebody out there does or does like doing that kind of thing. So it's not a myth. Does it happen as much as people make it into such a big deal? Probably not. I think they've made a bigger deal about the planet getting hit by, you know, um, the, the planet killer sized earth uh, asteroid but this stuff happens. And, and I do take that level of privacy very, very seriously. I have um, a spouse who uh, up until some time ago, I won't say when, 
would post everything worldviewable. I'm like, what are you doing? And I actually, in my mentality, kind of the record is more of an open book, but somebody used me as an example for research for a Gurkhan talk where they um, first Gurkhan asked me, hey, somebody wants to use you for their research they're doing. Okay, fine. All right, they'll contact you. Great. Never heard from anybody. Figured nothing was going to happen. And then I had somebody come up to me and at Gurkhan some, some years ago and say, oh, did you get to see my talk? And I was like, no. I'm like, well, you were in it. I'm like, really? Why? Well, we, I used you as an example of somebody who had their Facebook page buttoned down, but you had a reference to your wife who was world open. So I got all your kids' information, birthdays, trips that they took, activities, and I turned white. Um, <laughs> so I know that contradicts my, my statement I made earlier that I'm an open book, but just certain things, like I want to protect my family. I don't think from a privacy standpoint, it's my right to reveal their privacy. That is their choice, but it's also my decision with my spouse and anyone significant other, whomever your partner may be to agree upon how to approach that privacy where I've eventually gotten my wife to stop posting so many things world viewable to protect our kids, which makes sense. But for me professionally, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll find me on Twitter. I really don't care. I don't care what's on there. LinkedIn, I kind of want you to find me, right? <laughs> Coming, <laughs> not now, but when I need a job, I want you to find me. So there's a really big argument. I don't know if we have enough time in this podcast to cover all of it, but you got, you know, you guys, that's why I said earlier, you got to choose your own adventure and you got to decide what works for you and what works for the other people in your life. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So I, I remember that talk, by the way, that was, that was not good. Did you see it? Uh, I did. I absolutely did. I missed it. And one thing I will say, I am glad they didn't record it. I wish it was recorded just so I could have seen it, but I'm glad they didn't make stuff like that publicly available for other people. But were you one of the people also in that research? Uh, yes, <laughs> but so um, my my daughter uh, was very privacy minded and we actually made a game out of it from the time she was five until 21 uh, of how can how many photos can we take where we don't show your face? <laughs> so like, like every time we would have a, a photo that we shared online, it she'd you know her her hand would be up or she'd be facing away or be you know a profile shot. Uh, so we we got really good at that. And for for a long time too, our social media was uh, Wolfie's daughter. It wasn't even her name. I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah, back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, I I I think you bring up a really good point, which is. It, it is it is not only a personal decision, but it's also a personal decision of those closest to you. It's almost like COVID in the pods, right? Like <laughs> I can trust my pod and in, in the pod down the street that I'm interacting with, uh, but we're not going to, you know, go two rings out. <laughs> it's an interesting comparative. Um, so, I mean, what is your take? So you were talking about how you don't well, like you're big on privacy, right? You don't want to share anything other than what you really want to share, which I know you're active on Twitter. So what is the methodology that you use that maybe other people can learn and emulate? Yeah. And that, that is the weird dichotomy of me being me is that uh, I'm, I'm oftentimes giving presentations. I'm tweeting, I'm blogging. I, I am on, active on LinkedIn. 
and so the the uh the game is always to say enough to convey the story without giving any information and um, that can be difficult if for example um, I'm going to be giving a talk in New York. Well, obviously I have to let people know that I'm going to be in New York giving a talk. So people already know that where I'm going to be. Uh, but, but quite often, if, if you follow me on, on social media, or read my blogs, uh, I'm incredibly vague about any details. <laughs> like who, who was he with? Uh, what, where was he at? No one really knows. There's something a little f- bit funny that, uh, that happened. I'll, I'll share that dialogue and that's it. And I move on. But there's other people who are like, oh, wow, did you know that? I'll give you a good example of this. There was a social media attack that was uh, carried out against MySec as a proof of concept. And it was, um, it was hackers on a, on a boat. We were going to rent a boat and, uh, and you know, do a con that way. Except for we weren't. We actually were not. It was someone had used Maltigo and found enough of the people I talked to and found enough of like context clues and the way I wrote. And they created a flyer and they even use like the fonts and, and you know, style of, uh, of my sec and the style of my language. And they sent it to a couple people who they knew that I talked to regularly, but not frequently enough that that person would check with me. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I think I, I think I kind of remember Wolf talking about that. So those people amplified it. And next thing you know, you had a whole bunch of people who were convinced that we were getting a boat and doing this hacker con. And it was all just made up by someone who was trying to demonstrate the power of Multigo. I don't remember that, but I didn't know it was um, an ex- air quotes experiment. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone thought it was real and that was the problem. And did people like show up to actually get on a boat or there was like no other that like it got stopped before the actual day? It it, it got stopped before the actual day because okay. the I think the the day he said it was going to happen was like at the end of uh, July. I'm making these dates up now. Okay. And he actually presented at the beginning of July. So uh, it, it was well known. But that, that does give a good example. Even even when you try to be private about certain aspects it's really difficult not to leave uh, a signature behind, right? We all talk in a, in a unique right. way. We all type in a unique way. So just changing direction a little bit, right? Because we're talking about personal privacy. One thing, and this is big right now, especially during a lockdown pandemic, or more and more people are playing video games. They're playing video games for an escape, for entertainment, because they already finished Netflix, whatever it might be. Um, but there's people on Discord, right? And I did a little research because I heard some of them, some of these kids, and like a lot of them are middle schoolers or like, you know, older elementary school kids. And they're saying things like, oh, all I need is somebody to respond to my hi message and I have their IP address and I can like DOS their system. Or they say these grandiose things. And I try to verify that because some of them like came up to me like, hey, can they really do this? And like, as far as I know, no, but there are websites where you can take something like a YouTube video, put that in as the seed. And what really happens is the new URL that's created, which does provide a preview of the video. So it looks really legit, very convincing, but you're really doing a click on a website that does collect your IP address and then does a redirect to the actual content that you think you're going to get, but it's so fast you know, human perception can't pick it up. But now 
these people that set this up have their web page and they get a little log entry of who clicked, um, a rough estimate of where they're from, their browser and operating system information. And then just to kind of, I, I use this word, it's, I think it's too strong, terrify, maybe intimidate is a better word, other kids and saying, oh, I know you live in Texas, in Austin, and this is your IP. And people, how do you know that? You know, so from that standpoint, right, by clicking something, and you just said this a little while ago, is when you take that action, somebody is collecting that information about you. And again, it's a little bit of information, and it may or may not be relevant, again, depending upon how you're actually accessing it, if it's a temporary number through your mobile device, or if it's actually your Wi-Fi from your home. But they're using this as a way to kind of socially engineer people a little bit. But then I want to take it a, a, a bit further, and there's actual information on the internet about Discord uh, session tokens. I don't know why I struggled saying it. There's information on Discord session tokens and how to collect them. But most of the examples are getting it out of your own browser session, which is good. But they would then go to another browser where they don't have an active session and they plop in their session information in the header and look, I'm now in there. I think that the real attack is weaponizing it in a way to get somebody to click one of those links in that other example, and then potentially collect their session information. But you've got to you've got to have something on the machine to do that, right? You've got to get them to actually maybe install something. I haven't gotten that further in the research, but my point on that is there's there's this platform that's used for communications, and it's being turned into a tool to collect PII or, or, you know, sometimes in some cases, violate people's privacy. Um, any comments on that? Yeah, I think just broadly, and I know we're, we're coming up on time here. So just very broadly, the challenge we face right now is that, you know, when you and I were growing up as kids, we knew you, you didn't tell strangers your phone number. Right. <laughs> you didn't let people oh. follow you home. Right. Uh, that we had, you know, a good good hundred years of experience of people living in cities that uh, our our parents and grandparents could give us advice as we were growing up, and and now in this current age, we we don't have that many years of experience, and and this whole world of Discord that you're talking about uh, was something I hadn't even thought about, right? I, I I know enough to tell my my kids don't post your pictures and don't, but I hadn't thought about the Discord aspect of it. And there's so many different services today, and everyone has their own, you know, internally calibrated sense of where their privacy should be at. Um, so you, you've got a lot of different ways that people can inadvertently share information. And uh, a lot of different ways information can be collected and weaponized against people. That it really is a very challenging thing to take on, right? Uh, we're, we're, we're all a big proponent of uh, personal responsibility, but personal responsibility tied to personal privacy in a day and age where our decisions don't have clear uh, ramifications, right? It's not really known what actions we take, what the consequences will be. That's, that's a very difficult spot to be in. Yeah, I concur. And I think the message there for folks is, are you really making sure your merchants or whatever software you might be using are really protecting your information? Are you reading their privacy statements, right? Are you going that extra, um, th that extra effort to just make sure that you are 
you know, really kind of keeping the boards on the side of the house or your privacy house. Yeah, at the at the point where we're at in this episode, where we're looking at this as a personal responsibility issue, spot on. You know, review review what you can, hold your your service providers are responsible, and and try to do the best to be informed and and to help your family members, friends, and loved ones be informed. I, I think that's that's the the takeaway uh, right now with the the acknowledgement of man, it's hard. I concur. Even though we disagree on this a little bit, I think we do agree on that. So this has been Tactical Security with Wolf and Dave. Join us for future episodes where we will dig into tactical tools and practices. And to continue this privacy story, we're going to have the next episode look at it from the organizational standpoint. Stay healthy, everyone. Question truth and be better.